You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, A. Scully and Sitor. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon, Sitor. How are you? Good how afternoon. You, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. What's that voice you're doing? <laughs> Just different than the voice you had me do when we were testing, testing. Testing. It's like a English uh, mom. Was it? Something like that. Wow. Yeah. It's dredged her up from the depths of my brain. Correct. I'll go back to normal now. Very good. All right. So it what is. Was it before the after the show discussion, you is, say? What is it? <laughs> Not much, was it? This movie. Yeah. Movies. It's like we had an extra podcast before this move. This podcast started. Let's say miniature podcast. Yeah, miniature. Like a rehearsal, almost. (laughs) All right, so it is Saturday, February the 25th. This is after the show. On episode 776 of our movie review podcast, we're looking at the movie Babylon. It's a 2022 release. Releases on Blu-ray soon. You can catch it now on streaming and on Paramount+. Plus. It's rated R, and it's from Paramount. You sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Babylon. Well, the transition of Hollywood in the late 1920s, not 2020s, because of changing technology and social mores. Mm, Shocking, I know. I'll give you the one off the box. Are you ready? It says, a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Sidtok, what did you think of Babylon? I loved it. Can we eat now? The end? <laughs> you know the way this goes. If I really like a movie, what I have to say about it is less. I just I really enjoyed it. And you said before it's really long. So we're going to start early because it's epic, which means it's over. What it's was it? three hours and nine minutes. Right. So I love a long movie as long as I'm totally into it. And it took me about five seconds and I was just, I wasn't even, I feel like it, I wasn't even ready for it to all be done, but you can tell cause it's well constructed with the same, you know, it's a formula of you feel the end coming because of the story, first of all. And, you know, it's just well built, I thought. So even when it was coming to an end, I was like, Oh, not quite enough. It's really one is energetic. Because yeah. It, it's very, there's a lot happening at all times. It never really has a lull, I didn't think. It's just crazy forward momentum in your face. You know, it's not for the easily offended, I would say. I disagree with you. You said that a few times and I just disagree with there's you. There's nudity. I know, but I mean, what are you offended stuff. by? There's a, there's a champagne bottle in the asshole. That takes about there's, a half a second. Well, if you're offended by that, half a second's too much of it, right? I know, but you're not, if you didn't notice, you wouldn't even notice. There's an elephant shitting on a person. That's all right. There's a lady having a piss on a man. When did you get so sensitive? I'm not, I'm just saying, I know people who would, after the first three minutes, which 
two of those things I've just mentioned happen in the first two minutes. It would be uh, like, true. <laughs> I'm out. But so, is that being offended or is that just like kind of pushing your uncomfortableness? Because it is uncomfortable. I mean, it's not like you and I see people get shit and pissed on every day. Right. But you kind of go, ugh, and then you're. I'm not saying I am offended by You're it. long for the ride. When they say depravity in the like synopsis, depravity is the word, especially for the first 30 minutes or so with the big party that's going on. I guess I don't have the same definition of depravity that you and whoever wrote that have. Mm. I mean, it's like a crazy wild party. They're naked people. People having sex everywhere. Um, an elephant. They bring an elephant, but I mean, the elephant just walks in. There's nothing depraved about an elephant shitting on a guy. An elephant just shits. There's a dwarf person. with a penis. Right. Well. And jism. Right. But what's depraved is maybe the, like, I don't even know. It's a bit like Eyes Wide Shut, let's say. No, it wasn't like Eyes Wide Shut. We're just <laughs> going to disagree on this, though. So. I mean, that party that they had. It wasn't, though, was it? That one was just creepy. This was like a bunch of grown people doing some crazy shit. I like the way it's constructed because we meet various characters in the intro. And then they kind of, they're separate from each other. But what ties them all together is the movie business, right? And they do kind of collide at points because we've got the jazz musician. We've got Margot Robbie who wants to break into Hollywood. We've got Brad Pitt's character who is already part of the Hollywood thing. Yeah, we're stepping in in 1926. So movies have been around now for, a, you know, 15, 20-ish years, right? Right around the turn of the century. Yes, yeah, silent movies. So now we have the stars of the silent screen and technology's moving forward, right? All the time. Obviously, we're about to hit the sound movies there in the late 20s and 30s. And so that's, we're, we're stepping in. We didn't see the rise of Hollywood. We're just sort of stepping in at the end of the infancy, right? So now at the 30s and 40s, Hollywood becomes like a toddler. <laughs> I think now we're in sort of like uh, middle age of Hollywood. The golden age? No. Disagree. Oh, is it just the middle? There's the gold, when's the golden age? Many years from now. <laughs> oh, I get you. <laughs> golden age is when you're getting old, right? Yeah, so this movie takes you over these periods of different years, and it goes into the talkies part of cinema, which I've never really thought about, like how people transition from one thing to another. Because technology is always changing, right? Even back then. And now it is too, isn't it? We go You've from never ever thought of this. Never really thought about it in the way that it's portrayed here. Where hmm. they where they the change into the talkies thing for the Brad Pitt character is like it's a big thing for him, like similar to in Boogie Nights, um, Burt Reynolds character, when it goes from the silver screen pawn to VHS. He kind of sees it as like the art form's not as good anymore. It's not people making pictures anymore. It's just anybody can do it, so it sucks. And there's a thing here, isn't there, with um, Brad Pitt's character? Well, he's he brings up the idea. Oh, I mean, the overriding idea. And what you're talking about, too, is there's a sort of snobbery that happens in any world. Yeah. But in art, film, music video games, sports, right? Anything at all. You're going to find the people who think they're elite. So in this movie, we're addressing the elite idea of theater versus 
sort of like the low brow of the movie industry. So his one of his wives turns out to be like a theater actress, right? Play. She's in plays. She looks down on movies because it's like a low art. And he just you can tell and it's done very well, I think, that he doesn't see it that way. He believes in what they're doing, the Brad Pitt character. And he's like he's sort of like the what's the guy's name? Grant, that kind of guy. He's that he's that famous. Grant? You know, from Hugh Grant? No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but of that era, you know yeah, what I mean? Like right. that from that time frame. Like Mr. Suave, who was super famous and everything, but he actually sees it as like important. And it's equally important to all the other stuff, theater, everything. And so that's one of the big ideas of this is that it's sort of class idea of what movies could be or what they should be. Even when our actress lady goes to a party with a bunch of super snobby people, it's addressed again that the hypocrisy of people being snotty about like, you know, their humor and their food and everything versus like, just let you have be snotty stuff and let me have normal stuff. Why are you looking down on me? Right. Get a lot of that. I think. Surprisingly funny. This film, it's not a comedy, I wouldn't say, but there's lots of comedy in it. I think it has everything. Yeah, it does. Um, And it has like a scene where somebody vomits on somebody. And I mean, we've seen that before in movies. I didn't say we hadn't. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm saying that sounds horrific, but there's something very funny about it because of how she she's walking out. She's going to be sick. She comes back in to be sick it, in te- front of the people. Yeah. She's just made kind of a scene with yeah. all the snobby people telling them they're a bunch of snobby bastards. She has a bunch of stuff in her mouth and then she goes out. She's like going to throw up, but she knows she needs to go throw up inside. <laughs> yeah. In front of them. In front of everyone. <laughs> And it's very, you know, it's funny. There's there's plenty of funny scenes in it, but then there's like really tragic stuff. It's sad. Did you find any? Yes, George. So sad. Yeah. The kid from Witness. <laughs> I, I was just thinking there are, there are no children in this movie. Did we? It doesn't feel like there was any children, like children were missing. That's probably a good thing. Like nobody had any children. Is that a thing? Don't I don't know. I mean, logistically speaking, was it ne- or, or the story? I don't think it was necessary. No, all these people were too enwrapped in their own bullshit, basically, weren't they? Well, Manuel, Manuel ends up with a child. Yeah, he end. does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it does span. What's that? Is it like 30, 40 years that it spans? Um, only that tail end. I think the bulk of the movies from 26 to like 36. So 10 years, maybe. And it, like I say, it moves fairly fast because it, it keeps putting the date up on the screen. And I was like, wow, are we done with that year already? Because <laughs> we're moving on and it moves on. And interesting stuff. A lot of the characters in this are based on real life people from that era. Nobody's got the same name, so you're not going to like pick them out. But if you go and read, um, I was reading Damien Chazelle's interview, and uh, he name drops all the people that he based everybody on. I really enjoyed it. It's Damien Chazelle's movies. I've liked every single one of them. This one, I really like. We don't get, you know, three-hour, nine-minute epic things like this much, right? True. These days. It doesn't feel like we do. And... This, you could say, some could say it feels really like self-indulgent or... Absolutely. And, and it does in parts, but then I said to you when it had ended, this movie does like, and Damien Chazelle, I went and read, and he said that he wanted it to be 
a hate letter to Hollywood, but a love letter to the movies. Mm-hmm. And you can totally see that when you watch it. You can, but when you actually say it again like that, that also sounds pretentious, but right. I understand what he's saying. <laughs> but I mean, he brings up some really interesting things. And one thing that I found really interesting, and it is real, is the blackface part of this movie. Oh, was that real? Yeah, that was a real thing that he'd read in a book about old Hollywood. Oh, dear. And you can explain what, what that is, because well, it is interesting. One story thread that runs throughout is that even from the debauchery party that you like to think is just so crazy, over the top. I'm not saying I've been to those parties. I'm just saying, you know, lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a musician, a jazz musician or, you know, trumpet player in the band. And he's African-American and he then he's obviously been hired to be in this band at these swanky parties. They're kind of aware it goes all night. They're kind of used to it. And then he's like the elephant. You can't bring an elephant in here. Right. So they're used to it. So he's kind of in the world, but he just comes to play his music and he goes home. Right. Right. Then somehow somebody says, hey, why don't you come play in this movie? And then someone says, hey, let's make the movies more about featuring you. And then he becomes who would it be? Like Dizzy Gillespie? Exactly or, like that. Jazz. Um, right. From the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Uh, there were black performers and people in movies. I have no idea of the history of it or how terrible or great it was. I have no idea. Right. But in this context of this movie, he then is asked in one scene because he's now got a big fancy house and they've given him a fancy car and he's just living his life. He's, Top playing, of the world, his, basically. Yeah, he's playing his music. He has no falling off, though. So everyone has Falling off, uh, drinking too much, uh, the ego is getting to him, she does too many drugs and gambling, everyone's falling apart. Downfall. Even Manny becomes a horrible human being because he tells the one lady she has to leave and then he he's terrible. But this guy, the musician, he's just he just keeps making music and at one point he's in a movie and Manny, this is the guy who also is terrible, says to him, he looks white against all the other black musicians because of the lighting or whatever. So he needs to be darker. And so he approaches him and hands him a can of what's essentially charcoal. Yep. Black face powder stuff and says, you know, you need to wear this. And at first he's like, well, no, he's like, because of the light. If you're thinking what I'm thinking at the time, just change the light. Yeah. Right. So just change the they were shining light. A spotlight in his face. Basically. Yes. But he looks at him and then he gives him a guilt trip. Well, you know, everyone's depending on you and we can't finish this movie if you don't do this. So he does it. He does the movie. And then when he's leaving that day, no one else will cut, will um, get themselves out of Hollywood. Right. They're all in it for very hubris reasons. Yeah. She wants to be a star. Manny wants to be important. Brad Pitt's character wants to be the artist of the movie world, right? Respectable. Yeah, they all want to be in it. This guy, as he's walking off the studio lot, hands in his card and the guy goes, you can't get back in with this. And he's like, that's fine, I won't be back. So he just says like, fuck off. I did it. I did that. I understood the cost if I didn't in that instance and now I'm out. And then he goes on to just be in a band and goes on with his life, which I find is a really, it's like the foundation thread of the whole movie. Like one person. (laughs) Kind of makes it out unscathed. Because it you know really what I mean? eats everybody else up. Yes, that's a good way of... I mean, it's chewed him up and spit him out, but in a good way. He yeah. got out, so... Yeah, so going on to the cast here, Brad Pitt plays Jack Conrad. I thought it was a really good performance from Brad. Yeah, really good. I like him in general, but 
this one was he was very sad inside I, f- I found I agree but he also did the comedic stuff like at the beginning where he'd been on that big bender and he went back to the house was so and then funny. he did that speech on top of that table and then he fell off the roof into the if you notice there's a he this guy who directed this and wrote it also has kind of funny he does the same thing in every scene but in a different way so every single scene brad pitt gets injured or like a really hardcore part of him dies right either yeah. he falls off the roof he gets hit by a car he gets shot by a wife the reporter lady basically lays it out for him like your your career is dead. I mean, you're gone. You're done. You're it's past. It's over with. Another relationship dies, and then his friend dies in another scene. It's a theme, and then in every scene, almost every somebody does die, right? Yeah. Of some way or it's another. It's really sad. Is it is so his thing? Yeah, <laughs> his coping is just being like super wasted. But then when he need when he's needed to be in a movie, he's there, isn't he? And he does it. He just turns it on. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Margot Robbie as Nellie Leroy. What did you think of Margot this time? I really liked her. I mean, I like her. She can be, like I said, a little samey sometimes, but then I have to step back from that and think of the character. And this character, she makes it very clear to us the first few lines that she, and no one knows who she is. She's not anybody when we meet her. And no. she says to Manny, I'm a star. You're either born a star or you're not. I'm, I am a star. They just don't know it yet. For for so for that, she needs all of the interesting characters she's ever played before, i.e., you know who I'm talking about. Holly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she needs that absolute freedom and the angst and the pain of what drives her, because that is what we're talking about. She's very, you know, she's got a lot of pain to drive her. And I thought she was really, there were moments of just pure like when she does that dance, oh my God, I could watch that. You mean the dance at the beginning in the pie? Yeah. Yeah. When she just, she stands it for a few seconds and it's like the director has said to her, just do, you know, whatever. Because she's sort of like stepped into her element in this crazy sex stuff. Yes. And nobody cares. Like she's anonymous. (laughs) She's, she's not even like the center of attention necessarily, but she's wild. And that is funny later in the movie, she does get in the movies and she, they call her like the wild child. So. But yeah, I, I thought she was really, really good. We've got Jean Smart as Eleanor St. John. She's the journalist lady. What do you think of Jean? I thought she was good. Of course, she has some a bit of authority about her, you know, when she's telling him that he's done. And That's the best scene, actually. And that they don't matter. Because she writes the gossip column. So we had gossip columnists back in the early days of Hollywood that were wretched and horrible. I know people think nowadays... That paparazzi's bad. Yeah, that we've invented being snotty and hateful and trolling and, you know, being hateful on the internet. No, we did not. That's just because th- we're people. We're terrible, right? And so she was one of those. And there were lots of them. And the reason I know some things about film is I did study it a little bit back in college, like 30 years ago. I studied it by watching it. <laughs> you, right. But I mean, <laughs> kind of like the history. Yeah. And the the building blocks of Hollywood itself, there was a whole class about that. The idea that people made up lies and we just read a thing. You read a story about Fatty Arbuckle that he was accused of some terrible crimes. His career then tanked and he kind of basically lived the rest of his life as a failure, essentially. Yep. And it was down to people like her writing terrible stories or posting or posting (laughs) or publishing photographs or 
even faked photographs because they wanted to make it more sensationalist. And this is, remember, this is a hundred years ago. Basically the TMZ of the day. Yes. They wanted to sell magazines, newspapers, and they got paid by the studios and secretly paid by individual directors and film producers to say things and do things that would then drive people to go watch movies or, you know, whatever. And I thought she was really good. I like Jean Smart uh, ever since um, Fargo. Yes. And what else? She was in something else. And she's just, she's amazing. She was in, um, you know, the X-Men one. True. Oh, by, yeah. By Legions. the Fargo guy. Yeah. Legion. Yeah. Yeah. Legion. Diego Calva plays Manny Torres. Now, this guy's not really been in much before, but I thought he was fantastic. He was this. really good. I mean, the character's kind of despicable in parts. He's despicable, but... <laughs> You're so endeared to him because he seems like he yeah. loves our main lady. Yes. Uh, Holly Harley Quinn. He tells her right from the beginning. Yeah. She he doesn't know- really notice. Yeah. He says <laughs> it in Spanish and she doesn't speak Spanish. Then yeah. he falls in love with her right when he meets her. But so you're like, oh, you know, but the thing is, he does some of the worst things, but in a nice way, which is probably very realistic. And then I put down Legion Lee, who plays Lady Zhu. Oh, I loved her. Yeah, she has a really cool song. Yes. It's, it's not a musical, this. I mean, you might think after La La Land that this is a musical. But it's got music as its driving force, right? There's a lot of jazz music mm-hmm. that really is like the heartbeat of the whole thing. They play like the same motif like over and over, and over but in different ways. But there is a song sung by this lady. And uh, what did you think of her? I loved her. Well, she was amazing. Yeah. I could have watched her. I could see a whole movie of this lady. Directed by Damien Chazelle, La La Land, First Man, Whiplash. I love all three of those movies. And this one just cements that I like his stuff. What do you think of his other movies and him? Direction. Um, I think, uh, controversially, that La La Land is a bit overrated. But that's just, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't help it if I'm right and everyone else is wrong. It's just the way it works. But I love that he has a very specific, I don't even know what to call it. It's not a style or a vibe. And I don't know that if you showed me five more movies that he ever does and don't ever tell me that I would be like, oh, that's him. No. But when you're in it, he is so into the world. It's sort of like, what's his name? Wes Anderson or your guy, Paul Thomas Anderson. The other Anderson. Anderson. (laughs) Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Another Anderson. Or even, you know, more, more. fervently like personality filled uh quentin tarantino movies right they're very specific yeah worlds and like uh, like you're you're marinating in it you know i feel like the details are insane and you take them for granted you take for granted when you're in brad pitt's house like in his mansion mansions i don't know we're in different houses throughout how much detail is going into making you convinced that this man is like a super mega star and living this sort of like obnoxiously rich life that he doesn't even fit into. And that's because the sets are gorgeous. The detail of like when he falls off that table and then he hits, falls into the pool and the few roof tiles <laughs> yeah. that have broken and falling out, like all the things I just feel like this director just quality and details matter. And it's noticeable, even if it's invisible sometimes. So IMDb reviews, what are those? Well, those are movie reviews. We're going to put that in quotation marks uh, that people like to put on the little website called 
internet internet movie database and you like the one stars because they're so 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 them all right so here's the first guy he gives it one out of ten he says need i say more there is no authentic moments in the entire film save for a scene where gene smart tells brad pitt why he's washed up other than that the hectic pace and overwrought scenes just lead to the viewer to ask himself what were they thinking Margot Robbie's over-the-top character elicits little sympathy. And it's trying too hard. It's not authentic. I don't know if it's trying to be authentic, so I can't give him that. This one says, lipstick on a pig. Beautiful costumes, set design, and A-list actors cannot mask the fact that the story writing and directing are F-tier. The movie has no substance. It's just a pat on the back for entertainment. The last 20 to 30 minutes were painful. Not that any of the audience saw it because they had left by then. Really? Yeah. Well, those are the people you were talking about. They're like, ooh. Oh, yeah. I don't like to see snot and poop and, you know. Vomit and. Bottles. Sperm. And buttholes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when you say it like that. (laughs) It does sound like it is something to see, doesn't it? Or something you don't want to see. Yeah, all the. Uh, And then the last one says, this was the most absurd movie I've ever seen. How do I ask for a refund? Well, you just go and ask for a refund. Silly makeup, no character development, skipping many episodes, for example, complete underuse. Skipping many episodes? Yep. What are we talking about? I don't know. (laughs) What what are you saying? (laughs) One star man, person? What are you saying? Uh, Don't know. I don't understand. He also mentions at the end, useless nudity. I learned from my mistake. All right, so they're the people who didn't like it, unlike us. Let's give this movie a score. I am giving Babylon a 9 out of 10. Me too. Well, there you go. (laughs) So I guess we liked it. I guess we did, and not unapologetically, because I understand, like you and I are intelligent, not defending ourselves into saying... I understand that it's a bit of Hollywood ass licking, but it also in the same thing, you have a character like Brad Pitt accepting that what you do, while we can all say entertainment is like it's vital to life, right? It has been since probably the beginning of humanity, something pounding on a rock with a rhythm to just like get you a mind off the fact that you just spent all day hunting food for your family, whatever, right? Whatever, whatever the thing is entertainment kind of saves us in a way, keeps us alive without sustaining our lives. He realizes this, how unimportant what he's doing really is, and then trying to find value in it. I feel like that that is enough to override, ooh, look how important Hollywood thinks it is and how gross it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I think it is an experience. And uh, you yeah. know, movies can take you on a big experience sometimes, and this one did. Absolutely. So thank you to Paramount. Next week, we're going to look at the movie Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Movie recommendations, Ace Scully is going to give you some. Why am I talking about myself? Like, I don't know. Third it's person. a little bit weird, but okay. All right, I'm going to give you Boogie Nights, which this movie, there was a scene that really made me think of Boogie Nights. I won't give it away, but something happens in the middle of the movie. When you see Tobey Maguire, think of Boogie Nights. Also, um, a, a film with Brad Pitt. 
called Babel, which I uh, really admire and like. Okay. That's it? Two? That's it. Just two. Yeesh. Okay. Well, I've got five, but whatever. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. So I'm going back to the early 2000s. Keep in mind, this movie is set 100 years ago, approximately. Yep. That's how long movies have been around. 100 years-ish. Like the very, like photography was like 1820s and 40s and 50s and 60s. You know, being born, like really being born. The idea of capturing an image without having to draw it or paint it, right? And then moving pictures, tail end of the 1800s, right at the beginning of the 1900s. So we're only talking about an industry and an unimaginable that the world didn't have movies, right? It's almost like it's kind of difficult. I'm only going back, what is this going to be? 23 years to the beginning of the 2000s. So of this century, of this millennia. And I'm only talking about science fiction, which by the way, has been around since the beginning. Just look it up, science fiction from the first movies of the teens and 20s. And I'm up to 2006, 2007-ish, and we're going to start with Children of Men. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. I like that one. Then I'm skipping over to Deja Vu, which is not great. I mean, it's Denzel Washington, but unfortunately... That was uh, directed by Tony Scott, not one of his best. It was not. I'm very sad to say it was not. It had like, it was just off. I don't know what it was. Guomel, which I don't know how to say, but it's The Host, which was the, the Korean, not the new one, obviously, right? Yes. This is one from 2006-2007. It was the one with the monster in the lake. Yes, the river. Yeah. in the pipe or whatever. Yeah, cool. It was so good. And then Heroes, the TV show, science fiction, which was really good at the beginning. And then terrible. It did get terrible, but it was such a great concept of just people spontaneously discovering they have superpowers, which of course we've explored ad nauseum since then, but that was really good in the beginning and stay alive, which is not great. Stay alive is the movie. I've told this story before, but I'll tell you quickly. It's the movie I own 10 copies of (laughs) because they gave it me for a giveaway at the time and I couldn't give it away. (laughs) 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 So there you go. You mean like you said to someone, you won this movie and they're like, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They didn't want it. That is hilarious. So I've got like a little box full of them. It's the one where you go into a video game, I believe, like a virtual reality. I can't even remember. I think it was so that bad. was it, yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Sid Talk. Sure, 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 sure. All right. Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing a new game this week called Aka R. Could you spell that for us all, please? It's called Aka R. A-K-K-A-A-R-R-H. Because when you look at it on the thing... It looks like you just took your fingers on the keyboard and went. Yeah, it does. Um, So this is a new game by Jeff Minter. And most video game people won't know who Jeff Minter is, really. You have to kind of follow him along the way. Well, I'll tell you who he is. You're in love with them. So I'm in love with the the games he makes. I always have been. You are. So when I got a Commodore 64 back in the 80s, the first game I got on it was a game called Attack of the Mutant Camels. And it was a (laughs) game that Jeff Minter made back in the day. And then I was like, I want to find more games by this guy because I love this game. And there was other games that he'd made back then that I played. And over the years, whenever he puts out a game, he's worked with Atari mostly over the years. I've always picked up his games because, I don't know, it's like a it's a nostalgia thing. And I also appreciate his vibe. And he's not really changed his vibe in how many years are we talking? 40? Yeah. It, the game he makes today is just really very similar to a game he made back then. 
He's most famous for making Tempest 2000, which was a remake of Atari's Tempest game from the arcades. And he made it on the Atari Jaguar, and he made it really fancy music, fancy flashing lights. So Aka-R is his new game, and it's very hard to describe what it is because it's like a few things all at once. It's based on Atari made a game called Aka-R back in the 80s and never released it. They put they made this game, they sent it to a testing group. The testing group said they didn't understand it and it was too difficult, so Atari just shelved it. Atari this year is their 50th anniversary, and they made a compilation of all their old games, and they put the long-lost Aka-R original game on that compilation, and people took to it. So Atari asked Jeff Minter, does he want to make a modernized version of it? And he has. Now, the game is, you're in the middle of the map, like a, a screen, and you're a tower, like, and it's essentially like a tower defense. You've Nothing has to hit you, so you have to protect the thing in the middle. You've got bombs that you can throw out, and the bombs explode and cause chain reactions, which get all the bad guys. Now, the key to getting a really good score is not to keep pressing the bomb button, because every time you press the bomb button, it resets your multiplayer to zero. So you want to throw one bomb out, and it destroys an enemy, that enemy explodes and destroys the next enemy, and you want to keep this combo going. And that's how you get a really high score. Now, I, I don't want to brag here, said Doc. I am, a, I'm, I checked this morning, I'm number three in the world on Akaa. Nice. I've got screenshot to prove it. I'm probably only number three until like, I don't know, like next week when all the really people get good at it i'm probably down but at the moment I did, I'm pretty you don't good. know that because you really like it so it's very possible i was in the top 10 on tempest 4000 as well for a while so i'm pretty good at his games but akarar is the old style um arcade one screen combat trippy psychedelic visuals like jeff minter always does i'm finding it very very enjoyable almost as enjoyable as tempest but that's my favorite game so i can't like you know <laughs> say this is better yet but uh, it's available on PlayStation, Steam, Nintendo Switch, Xbox. You can get it now. Aka R. Like, like a pirate. Aka R. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sita, what's for dinner? Tonight, we have settled on the subways. Yum. Yeah, it just sounds easy. Simple. Simple. I mean, I could get it delivered, but I'm not going to pay extra for a subway delivery. So I'm actually going to go there. I know. It's the 21st century. It's crazy. Get in the car, drive somewhere, get a sandwich. I mean, <laughs> I get it. I'm going old school on this one. <laughs> and what's your advice before we get out of it? I mean, it's not really advice. So just so everybody knows, I'm not telling you, like, this isn't a directive. It's very straightforward and very simple, but complex. In life, when you get to a certain age and you've learned a certain amount of things about the world and yourself, you need and I mean need, not like, oh, it's probably, maybe, possibly a good idea. You need to find ways, or at least one way, how not to be an asshole. There's going to be something about you in life in general. I am sort of cold-hearted, and I don't really care about people's feelings much. That's a truth that people go, oh, that's not true. You're so nice. Well, you don't know that. I'm very, very, very selective about the people that 
generate genuine caring in me. I'm not a humanist. I mean, I don't want humans as a whole to fail or have suffering and terrible things, right? And if I am in, put in a situation to help relieve suffering right in front of my face, I will do my best. But if you're telling me a sob story or I'm hearing a sob story or I'm looking at someone's life choices and listening to them go on and on and on about how terrible things are, my first instinct isn't to be like, oh, that's just too bad. It depends on the circumstance, but mostly I don't care. So this is something that kind of makes me like an asshole because I can genuinely be staring you in the face while you're telling me something. It doesn't have to be terribly tragic, right? I have a heart. But in general, I'll be listening to you thinking, and that's life. Like you chose that job. You chose that wife. You chose to have children. You chose that car. What the, why are you sitting here whining and moaning about it? Either change it or shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, again, it will depend on the circumstance, but my first instinct isn't to be caring and sympathetic and empathetic and all that stuff. Compassion does not come naturally to me unless it's hardcore, like a hardcore circumstance of a human's life can bring me to tears without even, I, it's just guttural. It, it's not put on. It's not fake. It is just from the gut, right? So in order to not be an asshole, I have to find ways to engage with human beings like at work or with even friends, people I care about even, I have to make an effort to listen instead of just wanting their repetitive, you know, to end. Because that's how, I, that's how my brain works sometimes. So that's kind of assholey. Well, that's actually assholey. Let's just call it what it is. So I'm finding ways of making that better. So there you go. Good work. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not super successful. I'm just saying I'm trying to find ways. All right. Thank you, Sid Talk. Sure, 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 sure. Ascully.com is the website you can go to to catch this podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's our social media. We're both on there. Uh, I'm Ace Scully. She's Sid Talk. Anchor.fm slash after the show is where you can get the podcast. You can also go to iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Music, anywhere that podcasts are available, even YouTube. You can email feedback to ascully at Do not email Sid Talk. She doesn't want your email. She doesn't need your email. She doesn't care for any of your email. <laughs> and stay classy, Mr. Damien Chazelle. I can't wait to see what's next. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, or someone is doing it for you. <laughs> <laughs>